You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Eboff. And Mike, uh, I hope you brought your roses because we're going to be talking a lot about Matt Barzell and his uh, excellent performances in the last couple of games that have uh, helped the Islanders secure two points. One, it's in a blowout and once in a shootout. Yeah, he, I mean, the mesmerizing is the word I would say. And I, I was at the game, so I really wish I had. I'm guessing they wouldn't have allowed me in with roses, but um, <laughs> you know, I, w- I wish they were there because people did throw hats on the ice. And uh, oh, I was in my head, I was just imagining how cool it would be if you know if people were just throwing these beautiful red flowers at him and he was picking them up and you know, clapping at us. And you know, in, in my head, that all happened, so it was nice. And uh, it's just, I mean, he's it, it, it all makes sense when you think about like that game kind of is who he is as a player at his best. He did the the 200 foot end to end rush. How many players in the league can do that? This side of Connor McDavid, then the spinorama goal, which is just show, like, he's a determined dude. I, th- I don't think people, I think people think of him as someone who maybe shuts off for a shift or two, but he really doesn't like he, he stays on for a little bit longer than maybe coaches. Like he, if, if there's a chance that there's going to like something good is going to happen on the ice, Matt Barzell will stay on the ice and try to be a part of it and try to, you know, facilitate it happening. And that, that was kind of what that second goal felt to me. Like he, he was in such a weird, precarious spot and somehow had the, the wherewithal, just throw it to the net in, in a way that, look, if, if Ilya Samsonov makes that save, it's probably a rebound right to the slot too. So I don't think, you know, you, the goal is great, but it was just a smart, heady play the way he did it. And then obviously the third goal is just like shows off his kind of otherworldly, like natural talent. And that's, that's kind of him as a whole package right there. Um, and the, the where my seats were, uh, we were behind the goal that he started that end-to-end rush. And you just saw the Capitals one by one just realize, oh, I don't really have a chance on this. <laughs> like I just they, – they, they all kind of just threw their hands up. And, and obviously he's, he's, he's done that so many times in his career where he maybe doesn't get rewarded um, with the goal. Um, but a couple times this season now he's, he's got rewarded. Uh, and it was nice because he – captured a lot of attention that he's been overdue i think um as, as a player I'm, I'm i think the whole who the most underrated player in the nhl conversation kind of has jumped the shark you know it, since sasha barkov's like maybe 2016 season or whatever <laughs> you know because it used to be franz and now right. then it was barkov and uh but like 
I just I don't think I think with the way the league is set up right now, obviously with the North Division getting most of the attention, but just in general, I just don't think people realize how good Matt Barzell is and that he's someone who people should be tuning in to watch uh time you know when you don't have a game on or something like when your team's not playing just because those moments that there's he does something basically every period they're like damn he's one of a few players in the league that can do that uh yeah and he got rewarded for it i'm old enough to remember player conversations started with ron francis which is kind of funny when you think about it because you're just like how the hell is the guy who was like I don't know, second or third all time in the NHL in scoring or whatever, because he has like the second most assists. How could he possibly have been underrated? Well, when you play on a team with Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager and all those other guys, and you play your, uh, that's the second half of your career, and you play your first half of your career in Hartford, you get kind of overlooked. <laughs> and so uh, I, I, that's one of the reasons I loved Ron Francis back then, because he was, he wasn't a guy that got talked about a lot. And yeah, I feel like Barzell is kind of one of those guys too. Like he's just not, you know, the Islanders in general aren't appointment viewing for people. And for the most part, I get why. But yeah, Barzell is a guy who, yeah, he makes stuff happen all the time. And I definitely think the per- the perception of him is not quite what the reality is. We see him all the time. And it's not even so much him offensively, because I think most people kind of know what he can do, or at least have an idea. But it's defensively what he's capable of doing. And he never gives, he's very rarely given up on a play, um, you know, on a back check or kind of lets guys go. And, and he, he's gotten so good at that, that you, you know, wonder what his limit is. Now he was on for a goal the other day, I guess against the penguins, but it was like a really bad line change. And he kind of just ended up being the guy chasing whoever scored. I forget who, but, but yeah, he's, he's a man of many talents. And I often sit back and wonder, man, like what a weapon the Islanders have. And, and, you know, you wonder if they're utilizing him <laughs> to the to the extent that they can, but they certainly did uh, in that game on on last Thursday against the Capitals. It was an eight four win, um, a very bizarre start. Uh, TJ Oshie essentially knocked his own starting goalie out <laughs> for the first the first period. Uh, I was like, "What the hell just happened? Why is that guy down behind the goal?" And then they showed the replay, and I was like, "Why would Oshie like essentially drive a shoulder into his own goalie? That was very odd." Um, and that was Ilya Samsonov, and then he left. And so it was Wilsonian. It was very. That's the first thing that popped in my head was like that. That's what Tom Wilson does to people. Yeah, like that. That exact hit. <laughs> Obviously, Oshie did it on accident, but that's the exact one that Oshie. I mean, that Wilson always tries to get away it's with. Very strange. And so he left. Uh, Vitek Vanacek came in. The Caps scored in their very first shot on goal, and I thought, oh, here we go. Like I had flashbacks to the the game against the Rangers that. Um, uh, Ilya Sorokin started after um, Simeon Varlamov got hurt in warmups. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, you know, another kind of hash from the beginning. And it's a disaster. But the Islanders pulled it together. Um, uh, Eberle scored on a nice feed from Leo Komarov. We'll talk about him again in a second. Uh, then Barzell went coast to coast to give the Islanders a lead. I mean, that goal is just crazy. Like he literally skated past five guys, including Zidane Chara and Tom Wilson and scored off of one foot. Like if you look, there's a picture I used on the, the top of uh, my back and forth column today where he he's literally a T like his leg is his one leg is going out here. The rest of his body's going out the other way and his skate leg is down and he somehow got a shot off and he scored and it was spectacular. And, I try and stay off Twitter during games because I'm watching on a computer. So there's like a delay. But after that happened, I went, I went and looked and like my entire feed was literally just like, Holy shit. I can't believe <laughs> what did Barzell just did. Like that's even like the, the capped blogs I followed were just like, that's ridiculous. Like that was just an unbelievable goal. Um, the caps, of course. Uh, so the Islanders scored again, they made a three, one Brock Nelson caps made a three, two. And then Barzell scored his second, of the game second of the period on that turnaround shot. Um, a very deft shot, like you said, you know, it's about just throwing pucks to the net, like we hear all the time, but it's also about angling. And like, you know, that that puck came probably what, maybe two inches from going wide or like hitting a post and skittering off into the corner. Uh, and so it's just about being in the right spot and having the kind of like wherewithal and the spatial, I guess, recognition to know that your the shot is still going to be on net when he turned around. Arthur Staple called it a fadeaway jumper, and he wasn't wrong. Like, that's kind of the, that sort of turnaround and look that, you know, Steph Curry or somebody makes, and, and it goes in. And that was when you were like, wow, he's got two in the first period, and you think something is going to be very special. And it turns out that later on, 
it was. Um, they tacked on a bunch more goals, sort of the caps. Um, but in the third period, he knocked out the puck out of midair, essentially for a hat trick. He had five points. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier also tried to knock it out of midair too, but his, his stick was a little high. And so he missed and then it went right to Barzell and he whacked it in with a, with a nice uh, even swing. And uh, that was it. The, I mean, the game was essentially over at that point. It was eight, four Josh Bailey had had a goal. Casey uh, Zekas had had a goal. Uh, like I said, Everly again, Carlson had a second goal. So there was a lot, a lot more scoring in that game than I think anybody thought, but at the end, the Islanders, you know, blew the caps out. It was great. They were able to, to, kind of wipe away the stink of the games in Pittsburgh and, you know, tie the caps at a top first place. And uh, the caps got mad about it. And as uh, Chara and Matt Martin fought, I have no idea why they're just crying and complaining like they always do. But at the end of the day, Matt Barzell had five points. He had three goals and the caps just went home with nothing. So it was great. <laughs> it was, Yeah. It was just a wild kind of game. It was like one of those eighties, style games with the score but with the speed of of today's today's game which uh you know it's very different from what what things looked like back then and the the end stuff i thought was kind of um encouraging i guess just from a fan's perspective because we keep seeing all these teams over and over again obviously and like the whole thing in the beginning was uh talking about like rivalries like this is how like rivalries are made and, and if you listen to any like canadian podcasts or hockey sh- read any hockey media the, the the word rivalry is just used for everything basically like, like every day it's just oh can we try to force a rivalry between like the 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 lightning and the panthers like wouldn't that be great if this develops into a rivalry like dude, red sure wings everybody... and lightning the steve eiserman <laughs> yeah the steve eiserman <laughs> derby but like i'm sure that the, the panthers fans hate the lightning hate lightning fans and like it's kind of it might be like a little bit like big brother little brother stuff kind of like we have with, with the rangers where you know the Lightning think fans probably think they have better things to do, but uh, I, and what, the point I'm making is that the, the there hasn't really been too much, I would say, of this kind of extracurricular stuff. Which you know, as long as it's in you know the, the spirit of the sport, I guess is the way to put it. It's fun as a fan to get to get wrapped up in that kind of stuff, and uh, it it was fun to watch the the teams like meet at the red line. I, I mean, I, I was there for warmups, and Ross Johnson basically spent the whole time in the in the center circle just next to Brendan Dillon and the two of them were just kind of jawing at each other. And another great thing was the first, the first thing I saw from, from the warmups basically is that uh, uh, Leo Komarov just collide with Andy Green at it just for, for no reason. I was just like, that's perfect. That's the perfect thing to see in a warmup. But uh, it, like those, like the, we had, there hasn't been that, that kind of stuff despite this schedule. And so seeing that stuff bubble to the top, it, it started to, I think present itself a little bit with the penguin series too. Um, but we're going to see a lot of the Capitals for the next couple of weeks and maybe into the playoffs. So you, you want that. And it's uh there's obviously the Laviolette Trots thing, which uh, is, is fun too. Like it's great that those two guys have both coached both those teams. Um, and uh, they've kind of followed each other around the league a little bit. Uh, so uh, there's th- th- this Capitals thing does feel like it's genuinely brewing. This isn't, somebody being like, Oh, you know, it'd be sick to see a Dallas stars, Carolina hurricanes <laughs> playoff series. Like sign me up for seven games at this. Like you see on Twitter, whenever two teams play each other, any night, uh, this is, it does look like it's developing into something and, and to get a win like that, where you show with, without, uh, uh Anders Lee, obviously, and still sh- playing two fringe NHLers at best in, in your top nine, that, that they were able to, to impose their will against this team. Uh, and, a performance like that from from Barzell too, like that'll stick. That'll stick for sure, and in, in the heads, not just of the fans, but the players and everybody. Uh, and and one other thing about that too is like, I think one reason that people don't appreciate what his whole complete game is like is because of uh, the general consensus around the Islanders. Like the Tavares thing was basically like he he wants to leave, and the people who thought that were quote unquote proven right. So I just think like that is like how people view the Islanders whenever they have a good player in general. It's like, yeah, they have this guy like Matt Barzell, like, but he, I'm sure he's just, you know, playing out the string until he's, until his contract's up. Like that, that's not the case. Like that's one of the things I don't think people appreciate about this guy enough is 
his he is plays the game with just this huge smile on his face like his he's he like draw he drops his own jaw sometimes at the things he does which is great to see like he he just is like i can't believe i just did that basically uh mm. after he scored uh that first goal yeah. and there was a there was a goal a couple of games ago that he i think it was actually a pass that he made that was just incredible that he he did the same, he had like this like big wide grin on his face and jordan everly like looked at him almost like conceding to him like yeah all right that was pretty cool he, he did and that he said, after actually, that uh that one against the sabers like the through the legs yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and but even like after he scored the shootout winner against the flyers he was describing his goal to somebody who asked a question and he's like yeah like you know did this 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 and then i i just buried it mm. and adam pellick was the guy who was doing the interview with him and he just kind of laughed a little bit like this but that's the kind of guy like this i don't think people appreciate that he is this really it's not, it is like an arrogance, but it's like a good kind of arrogance that he has. Mm. And it's the type of stuff that people love in other, seeing other players, like mm. around, like people love when these guys provide these sound bites, but for some reason his aren't, his aren't really transcending much. And I, and I wonder if that's also like a team thing. Uh, obviously Lamarillo loves to keep everything close to the chest. So he, he might like it that, uh, you know, people are somehow sleeping on this guy just a little bit. Obviously everyone knows he's great, but he's a game breaker, maybe one of the biggest game breakers in the league. And uh, he just isn't, he doesn't get that uh, support from, from the mainstream yet. He was, he was interviewed after that game by Shannon Hogan. And she was like, I know you're a big baseball fan. And she asked him about that third goal and he let out this really weird laugh. I don't know he was like, ah! like it was just a very strange, it's almost like uh, Tom Hulse and Amadeus laugh. It was very weird. <laughs> he just was like, yeah, Mets Yankees. Or like, it was a very goofball moment. And I thought the same thing that you thought, which is like this guy really, he's like a big goofball. And I wish that, you know, that got sort of played more the the, he did an availability today, uh, which was an off day, but he was very muted. Like he wasn't, you know, he didn't say much. And I mean, not that the questions were like, you know, really all that crazy, but uh, I, I do feel like there's, there's a bit of um a showman underneath all that, that maybe he keeps in check because he doesn't want to let it out. Or maybe the team, I, I can't imagine the team wouldn't because you know, they, they are, they can be a little bit silly, but the Islanders as a group don't really kind of like do any of that kind of stuff. Like they keep it, like you said, very close to the vest. They don't, they don't try not to be demonstrative. And I don't think, you know, Matt Martin said a while back that, you know, they like being under the radar. So maybe they, they prefer that, but on the ice, it, it's definitely all joy. And when he had a lot of fun, in that game in particular. Uh, and why not? You know, I mean, the, the thing is too, like this was against, you know, for all the, the hemming and hawing about how they feasted off of the Sabres and Devils for a month. Well, here they just laid eight goals on the Capitals. So you can just all shut up. You know, like I'm sure that felt, that felt and, pretty And the good boring, too. the boring stuff too. That was one of the most entertaining games. Right. Probably in the NHL for the past couple of weeks. Right. Like that was. Yeah. Hell, so the boring the Islanders, this guy just you know, did, right. The boring Islanders with one of the most exciting <laughs> players in the league. Right. Uh, it's, he, I mean, he's a rock star, I think too. Yeah. Like I, I always say he's probably the most romantic player in the league. And, and I do believe that I, I, but he's also like this, just, a, he is a rock star in, in like so many different senses of the word. Uh, from just the hair, the look, the way he carries himself, his confidence, the things he can do. Um, but he's he's a, he's a good front man. Like he's he's the front man that he he's not going to just you know ditch his band and go and go solo or something. He's 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 in it for the long haul. And, and he's that's something I I really appreciated from him is um, if you think about uh, the captain before Anders Lee, like everything was just so. It, it was just so straight and narrow to like a fault. Like, whereas like this guy is, he, he knows what he's supposed to say and he still gets that message across. But the way he says it is, is not just, you know, well, you know, we got to get, it starts with me and whatever, whatever cliches you could throw like this. He actually like, will he will get the point across that like, Oh, this is a team effort. I just dropped three goals and five points on the capitals, but this was a team win. Like he'll get, he'll get to that point. <laughs> But he will also kind of serpentine his way through some some other stuff that like that provides some color, and that's kind of what he just does as, as a as a player um, and as an Islander. Is he just provided a ton of color to this team that uh, has, they, it's it's really really uh, unique to have a player not just of this caliber, but like of, of this skills particular skill set. Uh, there's just very very few uh, players like that in not not just right now in the league, just that ever come across. So. Yeah. Uh, we we certainly appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. And you know, again, if if other people aren't going to watch and pay attention and like wait for that one gift to come across your 
timeline or whatever for you to be like, well, this Mel Porzell is pretty good. Well, that's your fault. You know, I mean, but, uh, you know, it, it's about public perception. And, and it's funny because uh, I was listening to uh, as, as we transition to the Flyers before their game on Saturday, I was listening to uh, our friends over at Broad Street Hockey, their their uh, podcast after the Flyers had lost to the Sabres. <laughs> uh, I had to hear what they had to say. And uh, they brought up a point, too, like they were talking about Carter Hart and how uh, Elaine Vino had talked about how they wanted to to fix his his habits and like you know they wanted to fit by going into practice they were going to kind of like take him off the the big team for a little while have him practice have him slow everything back down and until he's back up to speed and then play for the big club again and like if you're around the team and you know about what he's you know you kind of hear what the coach says on a regular basis it didn't sound like that big a deal it just means like you know okay they're gonna stop for a second let him get into practice, let him figure everything out and then get back on the club. But if you're from outside the organization, you're not a Flyers fan, you don't follow the team every single day, it sounds like this guy's lazy and he sucks. <laughs> and we got to get him off the hell off the team. And that's a very different conversation obviously. And so I, I thought about that like, you know, in terms of the Islanders where, you know, the the word on the street is that, oh, they're boring. Like they play defense and they're boring. But then like, okay, they have Barzell, who is definitely not boring. They have Anthony Beauvillier, who's definitely not boring, who we'll talk about in a second. Um, they have other players. They have, you know, Ilya Samsonov has been very, uh, Ilya uh, Sorokin has been very good this year. They have guys on defense that, like Nick Letty, who's not boring. Like, I mean, is he the, a perfect player? No, but he's also capable of like three coast to coast shifts every single game. So, it, you know, the word out in the street is different than how it is to those of us that watch them every single game. I thought it was kind of funny to hear it from a different point of view, but, but, uh, but that's a that's a funny point that they make, right? Like this is this is not just an Islanders problem. This no. is kind of a whole thing, right? This is every, every, the whole point of these these um kind of more robust and nuanced sports media outlets is they were they're supposed to be able to provide that context, mm. but instead they've just completely gone the different the other way and just are like leading into just becoming the new kind of national media, which is you know pretty. I don't know how it's happened so quickly, but it did. And, and there's, there's nobody, you really need to dig into these fan kind of, mm. you know, fan content basically to get the full story on something like Carter Hart. Cause when I read that, I was like, did, what, what's going right. on? Did, it was did, weird. Cause especially with Vigneault, like he's, he's, his reputation kind of precedes him with those kind of things. Mm. Um, he's, he's like, not, not, he doesn't go for full Tortorella where he's just, <laughs> you know, scratching guys just, just to, for the hell of it. Right. But like, he does he does have these moments so it, it's like it's nice to hear though and we say it a lot like these we live in an islanders echo chamber obviously because we're islander fans but it is nice to go search those kind of moments out like when you see something like that and be like all right let me get the full story mm. do a little bit of extra you know reading and, and all of a sudden you come across like an interesting um kind of lens into a different into a different universe mm. yeah yeah i thought that was really interesting i was like wow you know i hadn't thought much about the quote but I could see people thinking that when they don't, you know, follow the Flyers that often. But uh, you know, needless to say, the Flyers came in on Saturday uh, again, having lost to Buffalo. It really gave the Sabers two chances to break that losing streak, <laughs> and eventually they, it happened on Game 18 where they got kind of blown out. I think it was like six two or something like that. And so we didn't really know what to get. And who starts in goal for the Flyers? Carter Hart. And frankly, he was fantastic. The Islanders didn't get a lot of shots on on net, but. Hart was really, really good, and he's the one who really kept the the Islanders in. They were doing their thing where they they got the high danger chances. They had the out they out high danger chanced the Flyers for the game, and uh, looked to be doing pretty well. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier scored on the power play in the first period off a beautiful feed through his own legs by Matt Martin, which is like, wow, okay, where did that come from? <laughs> very boring, just very boring. Right, uh, you know, and so that was pretty sweet. And you thought, okay, this is going to be one of those, um, you know, shots on goal again, favored the Flyers by a lot, but you know, the Islanders did their thing. They got their, the, none of those shots were really all that threatening. A lot of them came from, from kind of far out by the, uh, the blue line. The second period, uh, Leo Komarov, who's still on the first line, lost his helmet. He had to go get one, uh, at the bench, Beauvillier jumps on, takes a feed from Barzell and scores. Like that's... <laughs> Like, okay, that's crazy, uh, but Bo was in the right spot, and all of a sudden he's got two goals and the Flyers have none. Um, then in the third period, the Islanders just kind of stopped moving their feet to steal a, a Butch Goring uh, observation. They just they didn't really keep up with the Flyers. 
Uh, Claude Giroux scored twice, and the Islanders didn't really push back a ton. Uh, they tried. They had a couple of chances late. I think they had a power play maybe late. I'm not sure, but uh, it you know ended up going to overtime. It would have been an incredibly terrible loss because at that point you were being outshot, but you essentially had controlled the first two periods of the game. And they let the Flyers back in, and that's how Barry, Barry Trotz didn't seem all that put out by it, but I was. I didn't like it. Um, overtime was all Islanders. They just couldn't score. They had all the shots. And then it was Barzell again in over in, in the shootout. He was the only guy who scored. Sorokin made four saves. He had 29 saves for the entire game. And uh, the Islanders walked out with two points, which is the important thing. And so they, again, tied the Caps uh, atop the division. Uh, so, again, it wasn't perfect. You know, a few, few games late in the season, as this one is kind of are. Uh, but they came away with the two points, and that's what's important. And, uh, you know, Beauvillier is back. Like, he's right now probably the hottest guy on the team. You no, know, Barzell, I didn't even mention Barzell coming in, was on a bit of a cold streak. He, he hadn't scored in a while and was looking kind of rough while Bo was sort of taking the, the reins. And now, you know, after after Thursday's game, now the two of them are, are in pretty good, uh, you know, uh, condition right now. And hopefully they can carry that over to, uh, to next week because they got four big ones coming up. But uh, it was cool to see Bo get on the board. It was Nickelodeon night. If you watched it using the uh, the home turf app, you saw some cool uh, trivia and polls and things like that. It was cute. Gave me a little bit of a headache towards the end because I was watching on a computer. I was basically watching on two computers at the same time, a tablet and a laptop. I don't recommend that. It it was hard on the eyes, but uh, but it was kind of cool. I'm glad to see the Islanders doing something weird like that. It was fun. And they won. So made it even better. Yeah, they they won two games after those that that blip against the penguins and we were pretty pessimistic last week which is you know this is the ebbs and flows of a season like you just you're gonna go two weeks where you're upset <laughs> two weeks where you're happy and whatever um but the they showed what what they did that first season under barry trotches they never really let um these losing streaks get out of hand and and so when they nip it in the bud like this like that that's a that's a sign of a team that's going somewhere uh and there were two yeah, good performances, very different good performances. And I thought Butchie was kind of spot on more than he's maybe ever been calling a game in that Flyers game. Because I remember, you know, I was watching being like, it, it does seem like uh, the Islanders are chasing the game a little bit. But he kept saying, and, and yes, he's, he's a huge homer, but he was like, you, th- none of these chances are really all that threatening. The Islanders are the ones getting the good ones. And he was right. Uh, it just, especially through the first 40 minutes, uh, Carter Hart, his glove was on fire mm. that game. Like he, he made some, he was really good um, in that game. And I thought just, just generally like the Islanders looked in sync, which you can tell pretty quickly with this team. And I, I think that like the, I think everyone's ready for the, the King Leo Komarov experiment <laughs> to be over. I think everyone's ready for uh, the Islanders to kind of start dressing their optimal lineup as much as they can. Uh, and, and I guess the injury to Ross Johnston will, force them to make a move on that third line mm. or maybe blend things a little bit with the first and third line. But uh, the, the, I mean, the pass, the pass he made, there, it's funny with Leo because there are so many times when he does something right mm. that, and, and you want it and like a pass he made to Everly for the goal against the Capitals, you want to cheer like a normal goal, but your first reaction is just to laugh. <laughs> because, I mean, there, it was just because you realize what just happened. It was just a perfect pass. Uh, and and you just see him like kind of skate over with his helmet all the way up on his the top of his head. Basically, he's his he wears his he's the only player in the league who wears a visor for his forehead. Yeah. I just don't understand <laughs> why he wears that. It's because he doesn't want to wear the visor, but right. I, I guess he was a grandfather, right? Or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he wears it up. He he did that when he was with the Leaves too. And we used to make fun of him too because that's where he because li- he doesn't want to wear. It. But like Matt Martin has been grandfathered in, so he doesn't have right. to wear the visor. And 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 the Martin like. The, the, the fun, I, I would think that I would also laugh at that Martin pass, but at this point, you just got to kind of take Matt Martin's season for what it is, where it's just been very impressive. Mm. Um, I know Arthur Sape, I think, was the one who asked in the in the post game with Martin whether he's enjoying like showing off this side of his mm. game. And of course, Matt Martin too, didn't dive into that at all. He, he gave like the company line answer uh, that they misses Andrew Lee, Anders Lee. That's his job. And He's basically just keeping the seat warm and doing his best for it. But there, there is something different about him. Mm. Um, and look, for the four-year deal is going to be hilarious to talk about for, for a long time. But it just I, I think it would be very Matt Martin and very Islanders if it just turns out 
if it just works out. Mm. Like it just works out that this guy ends up putting together like a little bit of a career resurgence, like not even a resurgence, but like finds something. Cause he might like, there's the, the thing about him is like, there's no, there's no one breathing down his neck. Like there's no, he's never going to be scratched really. Like maybe odd game here or there, but it's not like he was in Toronto where he was expected to do much more than what he was capable of here. It's just like, he, he knows exactly what his role is. And we saw it with, we you see it when players are like developing or especially like correctly. Like I remember Travis Hamannick was a, the, the first name I always think about Tavares a little bit too with this is like, when they were developing and they were they were coming into their own, they just developed like a new skill set kind of every couple of weeks or months or season. And you're like, oh, you're watching this guy become a complete player. And I'm not saying Matt Martin is is anywhere near those guys in terms of like their peaks, but he, he just seems to have figured something, like maybe unlocked something different or if it's a confidence thing or whatever it is, it's it's working. Um because he's he's kind of filled that uh the role that Cal Clutterbuck really played well in his first couple, like what, six seasons on the Islanders where he was the, he was the quote unquote scorer mm. on that, or the, at least the skilled guy in that third, uh, fourth line. And now it's, it's Martin because Clutterbuck has, has not, mm. <laughs> he, he just, he doesn't score anymore, no. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but Martin doesn't, it's like they've, they've switched roles in a, in a different way. And I don't know if it's like the, maybe the game is a little different now. So Martin's, kind of lumbering game is a little bit of an outlier and harder to defend. I don't know what it is, but there's something more to uh, his season than I think people at the end of the season, people are going to like look over their charts and whatever and say like, Oh my God, Matt Martin had you know 10 goals and 14 assists or whatever he's going to end up with. And someone will like, you know, look into it and be like, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was a shooting percentage so high, whatever, whatever it is. But I'm, I'm really interested to see what, what the answer is going to be because uh, it's, it's, been great to watch it's been like a little bit of a uh a vindication for for not just him but just like the islanders like culture yeah. as, as well. well i think i think you answered your own question i definitely think role has a has a lot to do with it like he's not he's not asked to do more although again he is kind of filling in for anders lee on the on the power play right now but i think a lot of it has to do with confidence too like i said this about josh bailey like you know bailey was in the league for 10 years before he was an all-star <laughs> like, like, how does that happen? You know, how, how does a guy who's a regular on in the NHL making X millions of dollars a year and, you know, on the posters and, and people buy his jerseys, how is this guy lacking for confidence? Well, it happens. And I feel like he finally was given the confidence, uh, you know, it was, I guess the season before Barry Trotz showed up, but particularly since Trotz showed up that, you know, these guys have been given the confidence of those roles to, to fulfill those roles. And they're they're paying off, and it and it works for them, and they don't, you know, they're able to go out there, and even if they have a bad game, they kind of shake it off. And you know, Martin, I think Nelson, we've talked about Pellick, we've talked about like these guys have been able to gain confidence, and and you know, you don't think of a professional athlete lacking in confidence, you know, the rest of us mortals every single day are like, oh my god, I can't do this anymore, and these guys go through it too, but you know, with the right coach and the right system and the right role, they can overcome that. And uh, and be very productive even late in their careers when most guys are kind of thinking about hanging it up. So uh, I, I, you know, yeah. So far, you're one of this deals. Looks pretty good <laughs> so far from Matt Martin. Hopefully, you know, the next three are too. But and, and I guess it's also like as a as a hockey society now, we want to write players off right. if if they have one bad season. Yeah. It's oh, like, dude, oh, I remember what? when people wrote off Alex Ovechkin because, like, you know, <laughs> like uh, whatever Dale Hunter was the coach, like. That was like six years, one Stanley Cup, and about three hundred goals ago. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and, and I mean, like it's it's just you you you're the one we're the ones kind of watching the games and and just being like, there's no there was no reason to 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 sign Matt Martin to a four year deal, but there was also no reason to be like this guy is is done at at what he's he's obviously a, a perfect you know square peg in a square peg shaped hole like for this team so like there's there's really no reason there was no reason not to bring him back and, and keep him in the fold and if if, if it was the four-year t- like who who knows maybe somebody else offered him a four-year deal mm. um sure that maybe it was kyle dubas but uh you know maybe but whatever it was like there, there was there's something more to this story and it's it's been he's been like kind of just a really pivotal part of this entire experience now um going back to him coming back to in on his se- on his second go around with the islanders um it didn't really seem like it was heading that direction uh until this season but when you think about it as a whole like you're like yeah, no this guy barry trotz 
loves this guy, loves this line, and they're very important to what the Islanders are all about, on both on and off the ice. So, like, you, you, we're going to think back to me like this has he's been enjoyable to watch in in a very Matt Martin way. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, I, I you you want it to go into the season pissed off at him because of the deal he signed, but he made it impossible. Yeah. Well, as, as always with Matt Martin, cause he's such a, such a lovable guy. Uh, okay. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the trade deadline, which is a week from today when we're recording this, we're also going to have the next winner of our eBay swag and uh, who knows what else we'll get to, but uh, come back in a minute and we'll uh, get started. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can buy t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They also have our, our, our Al Arbor shirt. So if you want to buy a shirt, our portion or, uh, goes to the Center for Dementia Research. Uh, you could also use the code Lighthouse15, save yourself 15%. They're getting new stuff all the time. They have jerseys. They have hats. Just cool logos, cool teams. You're not going to find this stuff anywhere else. VintageIceHockey.com. Go there today, spend money, it's good stuff, and you won't regret it. And you can make a donation to the Center for Dementia Research, so it's great. Uh, okay, so uh, the trade deadline is a week from today on April 12th. Nobody can seem to come to a consensus about whether or not it will be a busy one or not. Uh, half the league or more is cash-strapped, so my assumption is that it won't be too busy. But there was some movement uh, Sunday uh, if you were, you could tear yourself away from Easter dinner for a moment. You may have noticed that the devil sat Kyle Palmieri. Uh, his, his agent, I guess, tweeted out that, you know, he was being sat by the devils in, in preparation for a trade. He wasn't traded as of, uh, seven on Monday. So we'll have to see what happens when you listen to this. Uh, but that was the first kind of real movement we've seen, unless you count Eric Stahl about a week ago, getting traded to the Canadians. Uh, and so, you know, it opened up these possibilities. The, the, the Islanders are obviously rumored. The Leafs are always rumored and everything. The Bruins could use a guy because they just can't score right now for whatever reason. Um, Kyle Palmieri, you know, fits a lot of a lot of spaces, a lot of holes for a lot of teams. So he can really uh, anybody could, could potentially use him. And he's a UFA. So, you know, you're just basically making him a pure rental at this point. Uh, but right now we don't know. And so I will begin by asking you. Where in the world is Kyle Palmieri, or at least where will he be uh, this time next week? Uh, will it be an island? Will he be an islander? Will he be something else? What do you think? I thought you were going to ask me where. Where were you when Kyle Palmieri was healthy scratch? <laughs> I was at my and, brother-in-law's house. Yeah, in <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I was at my my uncle's house, and I turned to my dad and said he was scratched, and he was like, "Well." Did he get traded? And I said, no. He goes, all right, well, let me know when he gets traded. And I was like, well, that's, that's the, that is the correct human response right. to that. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think he makes sense. And, and I think everyone's kind of just drawing the line to, to Lou because he was a devil. And um, he's a, seems to be the, the type of guy that would fit in um, just with this group. And he obviously fills a need. He, his underlying met- metrics look really good despite the fact that he hasn't scored as much. Uh, that seems to be a problem with all the Devils. Like every time they play, I just see a bunch of people lamenting that Jack Hughes is playing out of his mind, but just the pucks aren't going in. Um, and, and Palmieri seems to have that kind of same uh, condition. And uh, I guess you can say the same about uh, Taylor Hall too. The pucks are definitely not going in for Taylor Hall. But uh, I, I mean, it's it's I've kind of just come to the – 
with the way like Lamarillo is and the way this team operates, like when it when it happens, it does like just take it in stride. But I think if if you were to like lay out all the all the potential people that the Islanders could trade for, I would say he's probably the most likely that that ends up here. Um, I, I would say it's you know less than fifty fifty that he comes here still. Like it takes a lot to get a trade done, and uh, you you can never count uh, count your chickens before they they file it to the league office but he he of the group of big names it seems to be the one that i would think will be the most likely i thought i thought if you would if you would ask me what my answer would have been that that question a couple weeks ago i probably would have said nick felino just Mm. for the same reason like he seems like the type of guy that lamarillo probably has a poster of in his (laughs) bedroom but like this is uh i think palmary just in terms of just like logistics and filling a need and everything makes so much sense um but I, I, at this, and, and it's good that, that I'm happy that he's been, they've like kind of announced like, yeah, we're trading this guy. Cause like at least things will start going. Uh, Cause yeah, there's been, there's been what three trades basically. It's one of significance, which was the, or in the past couple months, which was the Eric Stahl one. And uh, you know, as, as a fan, like this, this should be a much more exciting time. Obviously we're in a very, very different um, environment in this season, but uh I hope like there there is like some sort of at least like a mini frenzy to get lost in because uh, it's such a fun fun time uh, and I, I have a sneaking suspicion like the Islanders will be it won't just be one guy like I, th- I really do think there's gonna be like uh, I, I have to bring it up the, the thirty one thoughts podcast today Jeff Marrick was trumpeting Travis Ajak as the Anders Lee replacement he's he called he's like well he's a natural center but he can play wing like. Look, if it's if Travis Zajac is the guy that they bring in to replace Anders Lee, like we're all in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And the fact that that he that guy's paying so so little attention to the Islanders to realize like that what what hole the Islanders need to fill with their captain being out is speaks volumes of like just how he covers the game. But <laughs> um, I do, but I could see like Travis Zajac coming along like in Kyle Kyle Palmieri's suitcase mm. and is like the depth guy, like the the the. Thirteenth for the fifth center. Uh, that because I think those kind of moves will be big. Yeah. Uh, I'd like the Barclay Goodrow deal last year to me was was underrated because they also got Blake Coleman. Mm. Like getting someone who can play, who can just or could just step in to a bottom six role in a playoff series and not cost you uh, to to make sure that you're not dressing Ross Johnston or <laughs> or Leo Komarov or Austin Zarnick. Like you're dressing someone who who can can play like 12 minutes and good hard minutes a, a night like it's important so that's that's why i think it won't just be palmary i think there there will be more people coming yeah um i i listened to that podcast today too and it wasn't too bad i was afraid they were going to do a lot of leaps talk but but they really didn't but the the funny thing about that to me the whole islanders section they went by team by team and it, it does get to like how how much merrick has paid attention in particular because he was the one who was like wasn't zajac almost traded last year and Friedman was like, yeah, he was almost traded to the Islanders, but he, he kind of stepped away from that. And Merrick was like, well, wh- you know, what has changed? Nothing, you know, why wouldn't he be the guy this year too? And I, I felt like screaming into my computer, what's changed is JG Pajot, Jeff. That's what's changed. <laughs> they don't need a center, a third line. Last year, the Islanders needed a third line center in the worst way. They needed one all season long. And it took them until the deadline to get one. And they got the right one that they needed and they still need and they have him now for the next six years. So they don't need Travis Zajac anymore. I agree with you. Like would he, would Zajac be bad if they brought him in? No, it probably wouldn't cost that much. And again, he's a UFA at the end of the season. He could walk away, go right back to the devils and you know, no harm, no foul. Thanks. Thanks Travis for everything. But when he said that, I was like, yeah, I guess he could, but like, that's not what they need right now. Yeah. They could use another person on the third line. Michael Cole, by the way, is still her out. He's, he won't, he's skating, but he's not back anytime soon. Johnston sound like he will be ready. And let me tell you something with, with Tom Wilson on the horizon on Tuesday, he's going to play. So don't worry about it. Unless, unless Ross <laughs> is like staple to a, a hospital bed or something he's playing. But, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think Paul Mary in a lot of ways makes the most sense. Again, it might just be proximity, but, he fills the need. And that's not to say he and Anders League are like the same kind of guy. Like I, I saw, you know, somebody on Twitter was like, well, they're going to make him like the net front guy. I don't think Palmieri doesn't need to be, or whoever really is on that first line, whoever they get would be a Palmieri, maybe Taylor Hall, maybe somebody else. You know, they don't need to necessarily be Anders League. They just need to 
provide more offense <laughs> than Leo Komarov, which can't be shouldn't be that hard, really. And so if you know they can find if whoever that guy is can find chemistry with Barzell and Everly, then who the hell cares who he is? Like that that's the important thing. And I trust these guys to find the right fit because they went for Pajot. They paid what they had to pay, which ended up being a first and second pick. And, you know, people are like, well, that's kind of high, but they got the right guy. Like he was the perfect guy and he fit right into this team seamlessly, both on the ice and off. And I don't need to remind anybody about the legendary bubble ping pong tournament to illustrate that. So I think if they think that Palmieri is the guy, then they'll get him. Remember, Palmieri was not a Lou acquisition with the Devils. He he was traded for by Ray Shiro, who was Lou's successor. So um, I don't know if that was before Lou went to the Leafs or not, but that Lou was not the GM when that trade went down. So, but I mean, they certainly know him. Andy Green knows him better than anybody on the Islanders. That's for sure. So uh, if they think that, you know, he's the guy, then go for it. I, I I don't know what's going on with Taylor Hall. You know, the Sabres are just, you know, a very hard team to figure right now. I mean, they're not going anywhere. You don't know who's going to be, you know, who's available, who could be traded, what they even want. Uh, Felino, you know, the, the blue jackets had a terrible weekend. They're like one in five in their last six. They can't score. They can't defend. They're just a complete mess. I can't see Felino getting traded. I just can't see it. I just, I feel like he's going to sign. He's going to be the first blue jackets number retired. And that'll be the <laughs> end of that. Like, that's just, you know, uh, cause I, I just can't see it happening. I could see Patrick line getting traded before I could see <laughs> Nick Felino getting traded. Not to say that I think he's going to get traded to the Islanders cause I don't, but I'm saying like, I think if there's changes coming in in Columbus, it won't be Nick Felino. I just I don't know. I can't see it. But that's just they're, yeah. They're they're going to be a just a hot mess yeah. for the next couple. But they're close just, enough I mean, that maybe they don't do anything. That's the thing, you know. Right. I mean, yeah. That division is really strange because like all of a sudden the the Predators are going to make the playoffs, mm. and then in a week right. the Stars will be the team making the playoffs. But yeah, um, I, I I I agree, and, and like of of let's call those guys like Felino, um, Hall, and. Palmieri, I guess you can say not Grandland anymore because the Predators are good, but like those, those I think are the three guys that everybody's connecting the Islanders to the most. And uh, of those three, like it's it's there's a pretty wide gulf between Palmieri, Hall, and and Felino in terms of like just how excited they would they would make me. Um, but I think they, they all bring something very different to the table. But the Sabers, you, you, you nail it. Like I could see them pulling off something like completely ridiculous. Um, but I could also see them like, just like holding still and being like, Oh no, we're going to give it another shot with this group or next year and see, see what happens. And which, which would be, you know, very sabers to do, but uh, it, it, and like the way that they're being covered too, makes you believe there's some like weird stuff going on with that organization. Mm-hmm. Cause like it, it went, like you think about uh, when, when a team is, is in that situation, it's like, you know, the first, the four sale signs up, everybody's, Everyone could be had, but but every time that these guys talk about a saber, they're like, there's always a caveat. They're like, well, they might trade Taylor Hall, but he likes it in Buffalo, yeah. or like they, you know, they, they he's not they, he's they might trade, uh, or or they might go the complete opposite way, where it's like all of a sudden Rasmus Dalin could be traded. Like there's just like so many weird balls in the air with that that team that that's why I'm I'm like I'm I'm a little uh, skittish about whether Hall gets traded or not, mm. uh, just in general. Yeah. Which, which really, that's that's what I'm saying. Like the most likely player is probably Paul Mary, just because like the logistics seem to really just match up. Like I could see Lou Lou basically talking to Tom Fitzpatrick. Is it, that's who's Tom it, right? Fitzgerald? Tom Fitzgerald, right? Yeah, he's he's he's. Uh, I can see the two of them just like talking all day mm. uh, about this and getting this thing done. But um, yeah, they I just they that's the guy who makes the most sense, and 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 I do think like I, I like, there's just so many. Little, I think little depth moves that are going to happen, and I, I hope the Islanders don't miss out on an opportunity to do that to to get like an eighth defenseman. Which it's it's funny to be in this situation. I almost feel like the Lightning, where you're at a trade deadline where we, we yes we have a huge need, but like we need to get like the twenty third or twenty fourth or twenty fifth man on the roster settled too. Yeah. Like that's that's a sign of a contender. Like this isn't a team where you're like. All right, we gotta hope that we trade for Yanni Ninema to, to <laughs> shore up our blue line and hopefully take a swing at making getting the eight seed. Like, no, we're we're trying not only to fill the Andrews Lee hole, but to bulk up the the depth to the depth, uh, which which is important in the playoffs. So, it's a, it's a good spot to be in at going into the deadline. Um, and 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 I still have a glimmer of hope that 
Lou somehow gets Andrew Ladd's contract traded for Franz, <laughs> Franz, Franz, for Franz Nielsen or Kyle Okposa. That's, 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 my, that's my pie in the sky. Well, yeah, see, mine is similar. Mine is that he unloads Ladd and like a first or second, you know, maybe conditional first or something uh, for a rental that can help them win now. And so then you kill two birds with one stone. You get that guy to help you in the next couple of months. And you also get that albatross off the books for next year that I don't think is going to happen, but you know, weird stuff could happen. And yeah, a lot of teams are in a weird space. Like the flyers right now, again, you know, they're still close to the playoffs, but like, are they going to make a huge splash right now and kind of mess with their future? I mean, probably not. Like what is going on with Calgary? Like who the hell even knows like that? They've lost, I don't know, six out of seven or something like that. Daryl Sutter did not have the uh, intended result, (laughs) so to speak, but like a lot of guys there are making a lot of money. Like, what are you going to do with those guys? The entire Canucks roster has COVID-19 right now. Like, God bless them. I hope they all pull out and I hope they make it and everybody's safe and happy and healthy at the end of this thing. But how is that team supposed to do anything right? Like they can't even come to the rink right now. So, you know, the Leafs, everybody's rumored to be going to the Leafs. The Leafs have $12 in cap space. How are they going to fit everybody? Well, you get the other team to retain salary. Yeah, okay, sure. They're going to all retain salary just for you, for your benefit. The James Myrtle wrote that the fly, the Panthers, should, who are, by the way, right now sitting in first place in the entire damn league, should trade their starting goalie to the Leafs because the Leafs need a third stringer in case Freddie Anderson come, you know, doesn't come back from the Bermuda Triangle, wherever he's at right now. And, you know, uh, what's his name? Jack Campbell starts to lose games like that's, you know, that's the mentality of of the Leafs writers is, well, anybody can get traded here because they're the Leafs and they just make stuff happen. Whereas we're just like, hopefully you find the right fit that also makes sense, but also doesn't completely submarine the cap next year, too. Like that when that Dustin Brown thing got floated by Elliot Friedman. I'm like, how, how are they going to fit anybody under their? They can barely fit the guys they have now under their cap. Like, it's it, but that, uh, I mean, that's, that's what I'm talking about with like the way everything's covered by, by these national media. It's like, it makes it so hard to sift through the noise, right. which is, which is why 31 thoughts, the podcast and the column, both are very just important things to read and listen to as, as a hockey fan. Cause they, for, for as much of noise that they, that they themselves create, like they do, kind of sift through the the, the James Myrtle type mm. stuff. Like they, they're not going to get caught up in Chris Dreiger mm. getting traded to the Leafs because they're the Leafs and the Panthers are just less important to the league. Uh, and they don't need it. They don't need a goalie who's a good goalie for the playoffs, but the Leafs need three. Mm. Uh, it's just, yeah. it's that, that's, that's what's, you know, it's, it, and I guess that stuff kind of adds to the fun of, of the whole experience because like, it's, it's fun to just like sit, throw your head back and laugh a little bit at a guy getting paid to, to write something like that. But at the same time, it does frustrate you a little bit. Whereas, and and I think the Islanders coverage for the most part has been pretty down the middle, like not, not in terms of like biases, but just like everyone's kind of expecting the same thing out of this, this team. Like they're, they're going to make a move for a top six winger and, uh, that's it. Like there's, there's really not much else I can get into because of Lou. It's, it's nice. Uh, a little bit like sometimes just to not to, I'm sure it pisses off the, the beat writers and, and the kind of national columnists that, that Lamarilla doesn't talk, but like, I mean, on 31 thoughts, I said like Lou doesn't tell you anything, but he does it in a nice way, right? Yeah. which was, which was like pleasant to hear. And um, I, I, I just think that like, there, I think here's how this trade deadline is going to go in my mind is it's going to underwhelm those types. Like it's going to underwhelm the James Myrtles of the world. And, uh, Jeff Marricks of the world because I just don't think there's really a, a viable path to Toronto or Edmonton doing anything splashy. Mm. I mean, Mark Bergevin is hilarious, by the mm. way. Like he two weeks ago said that they were not going to make any trade deadline deals, and then tr- the next day traded for Eric Stahl. Like <laughs> he, like the Canadians could do something, I guess, but uh, they're also up against the cap. Like the, the basically the big teams aren't like, but then the, you got the team like the Panthers and the Islanders and the Hurricanes. Uh, you know, all of us small fish in the, in the big pond could do something. So I think that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's going to disappoint those guys personally, but I think there's going to be some fun movement uh, among uh, kind of the, the welterweights uh, in, in the contending class. Like these, these including the Islanders, I think there's going to just be some, some noise and who knows? I mean, we, we, we've been through two trade deadlines with Lou mm. now, and one of them was 
a genuine home run and the other one was was nothing like they, mm. they didn't do anything yeah. so uh it's it it's I'm, I'm assuming that this one will, will hopefully be like towards the latter because there's just no other choice yeah right uh either that or it's going to be a lot of like Eric Goodbranson, Braden Coburn type of guys. Yeah. I, when when they brought up Goodbranson today, I was like, I honestly could see it. And I'm really nervous about it. Like he, ooh, hmm. that, that would be tough. That would, that would be tough. But he seems, he's like the type of guy that hmm. <laughs> you just, he, he plays three games in the playoffs and like Ed Olchick talks about how hard he is to play against. <laughs> You're like, no, he's, he doesn't look too hard yeah. to play against when, when Jordan Everly just like walked him. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he would be a total Flyers move if they were like, you know, solidly in the playoffs and like really needed that guy. That would totally be the Flyers move is, is yeah, to trade How has he, how has he not been a Flyer yet? I don't know. I know. It's amazing. Well, Eric Gust- Gustafson is right now. And I guess they're yeah. kind of the same player, but. Uh, Gustafson and Good Branson. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. So, yeah. So we'll have to see. I mean, again, we're recording this at eight, around eight o'clock on Monday night. So hopefully by the time you listen to it, everything we just said didn't get completely blown up. But, uh, you know, pay attention this week. Things could be moving, could, could, and the Islanders are definitely involved. So, who they, wh- whether they end up with anybody is is anybody's game. And we've played that one before. We've heard that song before, where they like involved with everything and then come away with nothing. Um, but I think but, they'll come away with something this time. One other thing that's interesting too is like just the goaltending market, and 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 this is outside of the every team trading their starting goalie for the Leafs <laughs> so they can have ten guys just in case. But right. um, like Corey Corey Schneider obviously is, has been around and has had like some some tough stuff go on. Like I just wonder if if there's there's a uh, you know Aaron Dell type or Eric Comrie type like just someone w- way way down the list mm. that comes that that could come too and and that, that's not just with the Islanders like I, I think a lot of teams like the, the goalie market's been hilarious to watch <laughs> all season those are the only guys like, that ever get picked up on waivers so I don't yeah. know what's gonna you know like they should have instituted instituted a rule that like you have to pick up a player with the goalie or something right. so it's just because it's been it's been wild to watch that like can you like they they talk about Anton Forsberg all the time. Cause he's played for every Canadian team basically now. And uh, they're like, he might get traded again. So, uh, but the, 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 like those kind of players too, like those, those third or fourth goalies could en- end up pl- playing a role. Right. So yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if like, yeah, if, if Lou like goes and gets uh a very, very unexciting goaltender. <laughs> they're still doing the uh, like TSN trade center and like Sportsnet trade deadline show. So, you know, in a way, I, I, you know, we obviously we're all hoping for like cool stuff to happen to talk about. But in a way, whenever they do those things, I'm always hoping that nothing happens because then they're just kind of stuck there with like egg on their face. Like the one time they had to like talk about it, they had like goats in the studio and we're like talking to them. And it was really weird. But uh, it's always <laughs> kind of fun schadenfreude thing going on. So, yeah. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, OK, uh, real quick. So um, as always, if you leave us a review at iTunes and you put your twitter handle in the review itself you can enter for a chance to win some ebay swag didn't get a ton of reviews in march hoping to make that better in april so if you haven't yet please go to itunes uh go to your you know your itunes app i know it's trust me it's the worst app ever i pro i just added two cds to my you know uh music collections i hate using itunes but we really could use the, the help uh so if you leave us a review there and you put your Twitter handle in the review. You can enter for a chance to win some eBay swag. We've already seen one lucky winner of an Islanders vintage toothbrush unused. Uh, so you could win cool stuff like this. Uh, we have four uh, reviews from this week. There was a couple more, but uh, these are the only ones that had their Twitter handles in the uh, the review as instructed. So I have random.org up here to pick one random winner. And uh, I'm going to click it and we're going to find out who it is. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. All right. The winner is the Duffman 13. The Duffman 13, congratulations. You have just won a piece of Islanders swag from uh, eBay. So there you go. Thanks for the great review. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you didn't win, I, sorry, take it up with random.org. I promise you that is <laughs> the uh, the only authority in this case. Uh, but uh, there you go. So thanks a lot. And please leave us a review at iTunes right now. So uh we'll be back next week uh we'll talk about you know the aftermath of the uh trade deadline the islanders play sunday we didn't even talk about next week's game so they have the capitals tuesday they have the flyers 
Thursday, the Rangers on Friday, and then the Rangers again on Sunday. And then they're off for three whole days, one of which is Monday, which is the trade deadline. So these are big games coming up. Um, you know, the teams that they've beaten all season long, but they need to get points here. The Caps are going to be pissed off. Tom Wilson, I guarantee, is going to do something stupid in that game. I will put my, can you put money on that? Is there a prop bet? That you could put money on that and win money. Tom Wilson does something stupid. Ask for it. You could, yeah, you could probably ask for it. Like, will will Tom Wilson take a major or something? And and someone you're in Jersey too, so some some sports book in Jersey would probably give you odds on that. The question is that then you're handicapping whether or not the refs would, would call yeah. the major <laughs> on Tom Wilson, which which doesn't seem to happen. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a way you can you can kind of like create a because you you're, you can create a bet with with all these books, mm. um, and and they'll they'll give you odds, but. Uh, that that would be a fun one. Yeah. to do. I, I just hope that nobody gets hurt. Like, cause I guarantee he's going to do, he's going to run somebody. He's going to punch somebody. He's going to slew foot somebody. He will do something dumb. Like this is his time to shine. And uh, hopefully nobody gets hurt. And yeah. it's just, you know, uh, on either side, but we'll see what happens. Uh, the flyers again on Thursday, who knows which flyers team you're going to see. There's many different shades. So we'll see what <laughs> one shows up. And then the Rangers uh, Friday and Sunday, Certainly, they're doing their thing. They take off for the first half of the season, and then they start playing much better. And everybody's like, oh, look at these guys. They're pretty good. They are pretty good. Uh, but the Islanders need to be better, and they need to take yeah. these wins. So the, the, the Rangers are driving me nuts a little bit. Because like, <laughs> they, they have the the Adam Fox love. Uh, yeah, he's really good. But I'm happy today they, they actually spoke about his path to the Rangers for a little bit. Like, right. Can people – like, let's just remember, like, Brian Burke used to always say, like, the, about – the penguins or whatever like there are there are teams that rebuild and then there are teams that basically just get handed something and uh the rangers send a letter out to their fans and then win the draft lottery two years running basically then get adam fox loopholes his way there or tammy panarin wins you know they win the panarin sweepstakes so that they were never going to lose so it's just it's it's that it pisses me off when they do go on these runs because they get like they just get this credit that uh that they don't deserve like the rangers are a good team, but I wouldn't give much credit to, you know, whatever his name is, Gordon and Chris Sturry or whoever's running the show there, because um, you and I, if, if we got handed uh, Capococco, Alexis Lafreniere, Artemi Panarin, Adam Fox, uh, we, we'd, we'd be okay too. Like we'd be able to, to make, make that team work uh, yeah. pretty, pretty easily. Adam which, Fox is basically what, Tim Erickson was supposed to be. Remember when Tim Erickson right, like yeah. cried, kind of cried and whined his way to the Rangers? Because uh, like, they, they've had a lot of guys do it. Yeah, um, <laughs> Jacob. Well, Jacob Truba was different because his wife right. works in New York, and but he was only going to sign with the Rangers, and he hasn't been that good. <laughs> but you know, that's like okay. Well, that that's different. But again, only the Rangers like, can get that. Basically, it goes back to Matt Gilroy. Mm. Like I remember Matt Gilroy when he came out of college. I was like, this guy's gonna be great. But he's just like, yeah, no, I'm signing with the Rangers. <laughs> so I think the Rangers and Kings get that. But the Kings really, well, it's really the Ducks because like Ryan Miller would only basically go to L.A. because his wife is an actress. And so he wanted right. to be – so after playing in Buffalo all those years while she was out in L.A. <laughs> yeah, you, deserve, you, deserve, you deserve to go to Anaheim yeah, sure, you know. after playing in Buffalo. Right. But that's like the only time that ever happens. And then, of course, there's the Leafs, you know, which is a whole separate thing. But, yeah, no, I mean the, the Rangers are good. And the Islanders need to, to you know, take these points. And they've, they've been built in different ways, which is kind of funny. But, you know, it, it, the Rangers are still very much the Rangers. They're – totally willing and capable of spending a lot of dough on guys you've heard of uh, that end up being pretty good. So we'll have to see what happens. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll be back next week after the trade deadline, after those games against the Rangers and Caps and Flyers. And uh, we'll see where the Islanders are at going into what I guess would be basically at the last, I don't know, 15, 16 games of the season. Uh, and things are about to get uh, pretty uh, amped up pretty quickly uh, before you know what the playoffs will be here. So the Islanders better get, things right and uh so far this week they have been so let's keep it going <laughs> uh what is your twitter handle again the big lebowski with two e's follow mike at the big lebowski with two e's uh, you can follow me at culture of losing read lighthouse hockey every single day for your most up-to-date islanders news discussion if you haven't checked out the latest PTIs, you definitely should uh joe talked with uh the guy who runs his name is steven he runs the uh isles historical uh twitter account he runs the islanders pride youtube account 
I guarantee you've spent time on either of these two places, uh, probably a lot in our case. So, uh, <laughs> you know, check out the interview. It was, it was actually really fun and uh, learn a lot about the uh, the black market of uh, old hockey videos, which is kind of fascinating. Like, I just kind of want to know more about the trading of tapes and videos and things like that. It's yeah, that's that's what, that's what I I wonder. Like, I was watching a lot of times when when I like riding up when I'm riding the bike, I, I'll put um, just an old game on the TV in the room and. Because I think that's the best way to to like distract me from hating my life. Um, <laughs> and I was watching the game that they clinched 2002 when they clinched the playoffs against uh, the Capitals, yeah. and the the Islanders gave out the three star. and And I remember this as a kid. I remember it being like, "Oh, I hope that this video goes and shows that three stars mm-hmm. come out," because they gave the three stars to Steve Webb, um, Claude Lapointe, and Kenny Johnson, mm. who didn't really do much in the game, but they were there, the guys who were there the longest and had kind of went through the playoff drought right. with, with the, the franchise. And, and they did, they showed, they showed like that whole kind of ceremony and the three of them stayed out on the ice for one another and called the point comes off, you know, down the tunnel and Howie Rose is like, wow, he's crying. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I was so thankful to, I think it was SAB three, one NYI's uh, YouTube channel. I was just so thankful that, that he had the wherewithal that to, to to extend the, the video into that. Cause it, it, I remember that as a 12 year old watching <laughs> those three guys. No, I remember that, now that you say it, I remember that too. Yeah. yeah. Cause they were the three longest tenured guys on the team. Yeah. Um, it was, it was the most memorable three stars <laughs> moment until, until Lubo did his victory lap. All right. when- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a great one too. Uh, during the uh, real quick, during the, the Nickelodeon thing, they asked these trivia questions and they were always like sort of tangentially tied to, a Nickelodeon show and like New York or the Islanders. And so they had like some show, I think it was Rugrats or maybe something else premiered in, in 2001, who was the Islanders leading scorer that year? And the answer was Mario Strakowski. And so my daughter was using the tablet and she asked me and I'm like, Oh, it's that guy. It's number one. It's Mario Strakowski. And she goes, who the heck is that? And I told her the whole story about Strakowski, how he came here. He was great. And then they got better players and all of a sudden he didn't have the puck anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it kind of dried up, but I was like, he was married to an actress who was in a Bond movie. It was all, and I went on, I must've gone on for 20 minutes about Mary Tchaikovsky, just based you're on this one story. Yeah. And all of a sudden you look over, your daughter's not even there yeah. anymore. <laughs> just all because of this Nickelodeon trivia question. But anyway, I thought it was kind of funny, but it was a good time. Anyway. So, it's a, it's a fitting end to this, this 150th episode. Yes. 150 we had to get, episode. we had to make sure we got to talk about Lubo a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> a lot, lot of favorites here. Barzell, Lubo. Tchaikovsky, uh, Elliot Friedman, everybody. So there you go. <laughs> but uh, the, the former captain, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, thank you all for listening for these 150 episodes. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed making them. Couldn't have done it without you. We really appreciate it. Uh, leave us a review if you if you it's meant a lot to you over the last 150 episodes. And we will be back next week for 151. And we'll see who's on the Islanders then. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye bye.